Hello, it's Eliza here. I'm really excited to introduce a new sponsor, Womanhood. Womanhood is an online lingerie retailer that champions female-founded brands and aims to empower people to buy beautiful pieces for themselves and celebrate their bodies when wearing underwear. One of the first things I noticed about their brand were how real the people wearing the underwear were, with completely different body shapes and sizes and images that were 100% genuine with no retouching or editing at all, which is so refreshing. Shop the curator collection at womanhood.shop and use the code CHEERUP15 to get 15% off your first order. Capturing on-camera experiences of everyday harassment. Photographer Eliza Hatch retelling stories on film in the hope of giving women the courage to speak out. We've had to put his hand on my shorts. The conductor tapped my ass. And they kept him following me. His hand was going up my skirt and I, my body somehow froze. You know, no one intervened. Cheer up love, a phrase sometimes shouted at women on the street. They're photographed in places where harassment has happened. Cat crawling to curb crawling. This campaign covers it all. Hello and welcome to the Cheer Up Love podcast with me, your host, Eliza Hatch. Joining me this week is someone I've been wanting to speak to for a really long time. It's the model and asexuality activist, Yasmin Benoit. Yasmin is the creator of This Is What Asexual Looks Like campaign, which aims to amplify the voices of asexual people and give them the platform and agency to represent themselves. Yasmin has been featured by Forbes, Teen Vogue, Cosmopolitan, has made a radio programme with BBC Sounds exploring asexuality and the varied experiences and challenges that asexual people face. Yasmin is working hard to break the stigmas surrounding asexuality and the misinformation that goes with it. There is still a huge lack of awareness surrounding this topic, I feel, and lots of myths too. So I really hope you find this conversation informative and support the amazing work that Yasmin is doing. So without further ado, let's welcome Yasmin onto the show. And just trigger warn, we will be reading out an experience of sexual harassment later in the show. But anyway, thank you so much for being here. I've really been wanting to speak to you for such a long time. Oh, How really? are you doing? Um, I mean, it depends on which month. At the beginning of the year, I was just like, oh, this is annoying because I had things I wanted to do and then everything just kind of went dead. And then by about June, Black Lives Matter happened. Suddenly white people wanted to talk to me all the time. So that was good. And then Pride happened. So I kind of managed to do some gigs from home. And then August happened and everyone forgot about us again. And then... October happened and we had ace week so then I was busy so it kind of depends on like the time I think I've managed to like keep working throughout the year so it hasn't been too bad yeah, yeah. but it's been definitely a psychologically strange year yeah I mean putting it mildly what about you yeah I mean it's just um really odd for me as well obviously but like I did also relocate from mm-hmm. a different country I was living in New York and then I moved to London so that was quite stressful <laughs> I did that right in the middle of the pandemic oh wow yeah so that was kind of intense but apart from that it's just been this you know the same level of weirdness and stressiness as everyone else I suppose but yeah a lot of my work is social media and online and stuff as well so it's been it's been I think less of a kind of transition to people who I guess were going into the office and stuff every day yeah I think for me the main difference was before I would physically go to a panel or if I was doing a podcast I'd physically go to the person and there'd be a studio or something oh yeah 
Where I wish, I guess it's kind of helpful in the sense that like now I don't have to spend ages on trains, but it's also kind of like, oh, it was, it was kind of fun seeing different buildings or going into different parts of London I hadn't been in before and like, or having an audience when you do a panel instead of just looking at yourself on Zoom. Oh my God, I know exactly what you mean. That's actually, yeah, that's been one of the main changes for me too. Has Like I used to do a lot of talks and go to like universities and stuff and speak about my work and like you do lots of panels and things. And it's just, it's so monumentally different doing it in person than on zoom and over your screen you know it's just you can't even compare it you can't see who you're talking to no you can't you can't feel the audience you can't gauge their reactions like it's hard to like there could be no one there and it would make no difference. I know it's hard to know if you're being received well or if you're doing the right thing and it's also so distracting having your face in the corner of the screen I know and I'm like I don't even put myself in the corner I'm one of those people like I put myself as the big (laughs) if I can and I'm really I'm just staring at myself making sure that I look okay and people probably think I'm looking at the other person and I'm not that's the thing like doing these things it turns you into a weird narcissist because you're like oh my god is that what I look like and it's so distracting because you're like you never would see yourself talking otherwise yeah and it's terrifying I think like I'm so distracted when I see my face talking I'm like fucking hell is that what I look like I can't concentrate I've turned like most of my house into some kind of semi-studio like just for whenever I have to get social media content or I've got yeah. like my backdrops for when I'm doing different zooms and I've got a softbox and I'm like oh wow all that kind of stuff you put it down yeah so if any of our listeners are unfamiliar with you and your activism and like all of the work that you do could you tell us a bit about it yeah so originally I, I was just modeling and then I decided to use my platform to raise awareness for asexuality and aromanticism and mm-hmm. so I, I literally I do everything I don't say no to anything really mm-hmm. I do a bunch of podcasts and I just released um a radio kind of series slash documentary of BBC Sounds and yeah I just listened to that oh thank you yeah it's so interesting I've also I feel like you've been on so many podcasts I've listened to you I've, you're always like popping up on on podcasts I think that's why I've been wanting to speak to you for so long I'm like <laughs> And it's funny because like last year I was like, I don't even know what a podcast is. Right. I never listened to one. I never been asked to be on one. And then I got asked to be on one. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I need to familiarize myself with what a podcast is because I had, I knew nothing about it before. So I do those. I, I write articles and I speak at places, whether it's like universities, especially American universities recently, just because now they can just mm. zoom me in instead of having to get a budget to fly me over so that's been a bit easier or or kind of like um charities I just did something with Stonewall and I do seminars at businesses and I host like conferences and I've done like a spaces and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and then just trying to like get it into as many areas as possible including using like the modeling to kind of amplify the messages by working with brands and stuff like that so I pretty much try to do literally anything I can (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're pretty busy. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so when, if you don't mind me asking, when did you first want to do this work? Like, When did you first realize that you were asexual? And what was that journey for you like? I mean, I realized when everyone else seemed to realize that they weren't. So it was like early puberty. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really, it wasn't much of a journey. Like I, I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't something I really focused on very much. It's just that as you get older, other people focus on it more. Mm. Um, It's funny online where I hear people say, no one would notice if you were asexual. It's like, really? You think people don't notice if you're not straight? You think no one notices? And it was something that people were like, what's going on with you? Like, what is it? Why aren't you doing anything? Like, we're sitting here 
creaming ourselves off over a Jonas brother and you're like not even caring yeah. about anyone in Twilight. And it's weird and people noticed and then they kind of start quizzing me and trying to work me out. And then that's why I focused on it more. But that was more the journey of kind of trying to understand it while other people are projecting their mm. ideas onto me all the time. But I found out the word when I was like 15 and I realized it was only half helpful because even though I had a word, no one knew what I was talking about and no one accepted it <laughs> when I told them. So I feel like people literally didn't start believing me until like last year. Really? Late last year at that. Oh my God. So yeah, it's like you had to build a career out of it for anybody to actually take this seriously literally and it's so weird because i've like i've been telling people the exact same thing for over 10 years of my life and then it's in metro newspaper and they're like oh, you've just come out you have to give us time to process this information and i'm like i told you this years ago i tell you this like once a month so it was quite um interesting that like it needs to be validated by the media before people believe something that I've told them while knowing me personally for years. Oh my God. So that was quite strange. <laughs> That's always the case with these things. Like even with the work that I did, like when I first started doing my campaign, no one took it seriously. None of my male friends even thought that sexual harassment was like a real thing. And then as soon as there was like a Vice article, just any article about it basically and then like the me too movement happened everyone was like oh my god this is a real thing and you're like, like i told you that it literally it, it takes a fucking like article for people to actually understand something rather than someone telling you their lived experience it's so messed up it is and it's just yeah so it's kind of been like a when people say like what was your coming out story i'm like which one like the mm. the first attempt or like the the 200 that came before people actually yeah, buying it god so that must have been quite a process for you anyway growing up and there's also there's so much there's so much misinformation surrounding asexuality and i think that's because there's no blanket statement that applies to everyone who's asexual like everyone experiences and identifies with it in different ways as you would with any type of sexuality and I was just wondering, like, what are some of the most common assumptions that you've come up against? Um, I mean, I feel like I've heard pretty much everything. Pretty common ones you get, there's something physically wrong with you, like a hormone deficiency or something mentally wrong with you. You might be a bit of a psychopath. Maybe you got molested as a kid and now you're traumatized or you've just had some bad experiences. You're celibate. It's a religious thing, an anti-sex attitude. Uh, you're just looking for attention or... You're just oh like God. a very, very late bloomer and like you just haven't worked out your sexual orientation yet or it's just a cover for you being gay or maybe having like a perversion, like you might be like a pedophile or something. Oh my God. Online, I used to get a lot. People said it was like a side effect of veganism, which is weird because I'm not vegan. Veganism? Yeah, I got that a lot. I was like, the meatballs That's in my weird. fridge disagree with this uh, <laughs> assertion. So yeah, I've heard so that, many wow oh my god okay so that is a lot and how would you to somebody who didn't know anything about asexuality how would you just describe it to someone who is completely clueless let's say i just say i like to say it's like it's a sexual orientation that isn't oriented anywhere and it's it's mm. just experiencing like no sexual attraction or just low levels of sexual attraction or sexual desire towards other people right yeah i mean that completely makes sense yeah it's quite simple but 
I don't know people tend to like people tend to like like overcomplicate it, but when you think about it, like that's all it is, really. Yeah, literally. I mean, that's it. Just that just makes sense a hundred percent. But I just it seems like there's such a lack of education surrounding it. It's just not something that's really commonly spoken about in the mainstream. And it feels like there is this like extra level of explaining that's necessary that shouldn't be, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I I find it weird because nowadays I feel like we talk about sexuality in a nuanced way so much more or gender in a more nuanced way Mm. compared to like when I was in secondary school and it's like if we're going to be having all these conversations or having like these morning breakfast Mm. show segments on different like identities and stuff it's like how come asexuality just never comes up in anything like that's what I find really weird like we'll talk about everything else but that one yeah totally I mean I didn't hear it at all when I was like growing up and it only seemed to become part of the conversation I mean as I said before it's something which is experienced differently by people who identify as asexual and I was wondering if you can maybe explain that a bit like how does asexuality differ for different people well I guess it's a spectrum like a lot of other orientations so you might experience zilch in terms of sexual attraction or you might experience it kind of rarely or occasionally or Mm -hmm. you might be as as they say kind of like with um gray sexuality which is kind of like just our word for like the gray area in between or demisexuality where you might only experience it but it will only be Mm -hmm. towards people that you have already formed a very strong connection with like that'll be the only instance where you might experience a low level of it or for example there are we use terms like um sex favorable sex Mm -hmm. neutral slash indifferent and sex repulsed for people who would engage in sex is like even if you don't experience sexual attraction you might still actually be able to physically enjoy sex and there are some asexual people that do have sex so you'd call them mm-hmm. like sex favorable or sex positive and then there are some asexual people who would be like super repulsed by that idea so you have like terms like that and then there's the romantic spectrum so not all asexual people are aromantic i happen to be so i don't experience romantic attraction either but there are lots of asexual people who still experience romantic attraction and they want to date and they want to have romantic relationships and it might be mm-hmm. towards the same gender or different genders so they might be homoromantic as we say or heteroromantic or biromantic or panromantic or any of those so there's a whole bunch of different ways you can experience asexuality yeah. really Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a huge spectrum. And I think the way that we are taught these things, like when we're growing up and discovering our sexuality in the world, it's taught in such like, in such a binary way that it's such, well, not even binary. I mean, it's just heteronormative, I think. Like when you're growing up, it's just heteronormative and then anything else is othered, basically. And then it's only later on where you realize there's like so many other options that exist and things that you can identify with which you just would have had no idea about whatsoever and just by going to mainstream education or like watching mainstream films and all of this sort of stuff yeah I mean when I was in school like our sex education we didn't even go into like different sexualities or gender identities or anything I mean I went to an old girls school so it was all very literal it was just like this is how you put a condom on a dildo mm-hmm. and don't wear lipstick when you give a blowjob because it might oh split my God, and then you'll get I pregnant and that was like and that was kind of like the gist of it it didn't really go into like anything about like your own personal feelings or anything it was just don't get pregnant and I feel like yeah. a lot of people still did anyway so I don't think it was that helpful but yeah they didn't really go into any of that stuff but then it 
it was an old girls school, so everyone was kind of gay anyway. <laughs> so I think people just worked it out for themselves, really. Yeah, that's that's really funny that you say that. I mean, my sex education was pretty limited to the exact same experience as yours. I don't even think we got as far as putting the condom on the dildo or on the banana or whatever it was but the we could we just got shown these like awful pictures of sti riddled genitals oh my god like on the projector really big and then oh wow that yeah, sounds and then, traumatic and then the one thing that the our teacher said was just you yeah, don't don't give a blowjob with lipstick on because you'll break the condom and that's the that's the thing that just that's just stays with you for the rest you just that like I remember that for the rest of my life and like nothing else useful I know it's like I don't even give blowjobs but I just remember that information as one of the few takeaways and just sitting in my class and they just whipped out all of these dildos and I was like what the <laughs> hell is happening and then all these flavored condoms and they were like this is what you do and we were all like yeah. like what did you get strawberry oh, okay oh my god yeah there's definitely some work that needs to be done there but I think that the work that you do to dispel these myths and associations is really really incredible and I wish I had role models like you when I was growing up and when I was going to school and having my sex education and yeah we learned everything through movies and then porn basically which was just very 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 negative and then yeah with the media often portraying asexuality through this really restrictive and sometimes negative lens how do we basically raise awareness and like broaden the education surrounding asexuality now i mean i feel like nowadays a lot of people are, le are definitely learning stuff online i wasn't a tumblr person because i didn't use social media that much but i know that a lot of people learn stuff from tumblr but i do think that it needs to be kind mm. of branched out from the dark depths of the internet and just into <laughs> just like more general areas but i think it, it for asexuality in particular, it kind of requires more people to make noise about it. Yeah. In the asexual community, we have these conversations amongst ourselves all the time. And I'm kind of one of those people that's like, okay, it's cute, but we know this already. We don't need to keep telling ourselves this. We need to tell other people this and we need to mm. get platforms and get organizations and get charities and all of those people that specialize in this to pay attention. And that's kind of why I just try and make noise in as many different areas as possible just to kind of get it into mainstream yeah. consciousness because i feel like our invisibility is our biggest like downfall at the moment and we've kind of had i mean it is improving but in comparison to all the other orientations we are like decades mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. everyone else yeah i mean like also so much of that is due to what we see reflected back at us in society and whether that's in the media or on our screens or in school or with our peers like and with any of these things and I feel like there's yeah like so still so many like myths and stuff that like associate asexuality and I feel like some of the asexual characters that we've seen on our screens often adhere to this myth that you can't be sexy if you're asexual or you know you don't have sexual organs like Lord Varys from Game of Thrones and for instance and these associations obviously like you know really damaging to the lived experience of an asexual person and I was wondering like what do you think about this and like have you ever experienced those judgments or misinformation in your work? Well I mean usually if I'm invited to do something people kind of have a more open-minded outlook but you do kind of get the media representation it bleeds into how people just perceive asexuality in general and you can kind of hear people echoing those yeah. same misconceptions when like when I do something and then like I'll make the mistake of reading the comments mm. <laughs> under something and I'll be like okay I see where you're kind of getting this from because people as asexuality has only been represented in such a specific way and it's usually overwhelmingly with like 
nerdy guys. Mm. So people just don't think that, like, for me, for example, that asexual people would look like me. And so they find it 10 times harder to believe it. And if it is represented by women, then it's usually just kind of homely girl next door white girls and again I don't mm. take that box either so that influences the way people react to me compared to how they would react to white activists and yeah I feel it more just in terms of how it influences people's perceptions yeah totally as you said that you don't look like I suppose the typical idea of what people would think an asexual person looks like and your Instagram and your modeling career is a direct contradiction to that myth that you can't be sexy if you're asexual. And I love how you're constantly pushing the boundaries and binaries around sexuality and society's expectations. Do you ever, yeah, have you, have you ever received any sort of criticism for your modeling or confusion, I suppose, from other people who don't understand how you can be the two things at once? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of those things where sometimes it's kind of used for like shock value, which I'm. I'm not mad at it because I get it, but sometimes people can't read beyond just like the basic, oh, she's asexual and she's like modeling lingerie and this makes no sense and I'm confused. So she must be an attention seeking slut who's faking it. And so I definitely get stuff like that. And then I also think that mm. I know I think sometimes even like within the asexual community, I, I'm just a bit less palatable. And I know that there's people who I think that like I decided to become an activist and I was like, what's my approach going to be? I'm going to take my clothes off right. as opposed to me being like, I'm not going to change. Like, I'm not going to wipe my social media clean and wear a polar neck and like stop modeling and all this <laughs> in case I confuse people, which was more my approach. I was like, I'm just not going to stop doing it as opposed to I'm going to start doing it because none of this stuff is new for me. I was doing this first. So, yeah, I think it's definitely I think it, I mean, not everybody's going to get it. And I'm, I'm kind of cool with that, but it does kind of cause confusion and i've heard people say like is is this how we, is this a good representative like is this a good like role model oh, all that really? kind of stuff but i think the majority of people fortunately get it more so than i had expected because i wouldn't be doing it right now the way i'm doing it if people hadn't have kind of amplified me or supported me to kind of make me like a recognized activist which wasn't what i had expected yeah. when i first mentioned i was asexual because i thought i am so unpalatable <laughs> compared to everyone else there's no chance in hell the asexual community would want ever want to be represented by someone as weird as me but they did fortunately <laughs> interrupting this briefly to talk to you about something we should all talk more about periods I didn't get my first period until way after my friends did. So I literally always thought they were overreacting when they complained about cramps. I also didn't realize that you can get cramps anywhere, not just in your tummy. So when it finally happened to me, I actually had no idea what was going on because my whole body felt like I had just run an entire marathon the day before. And I quickly realized, wow, my friends weren't overreacting. Now, I'm not really a huge fan of taking painkillers unless I absolutely have to. So when I discovered Day's CBD infused tampons, I was super keen to try them out, and to my surprise, they actually work. They're also all of my favorite things, which are dye and pesticide-free, organic, clinically validated, plastic-free, and they come in the most gorgeous packaging, reusable pouches, and the cutest aluminium tin. To get £5 off your first box, use my discount code CHEERUPLOVE at the checkout when you visit yourday.com. That's spelled D-A-Y-E. Thank you, day. 
<laughs> yeah, and you're doing an incredible job at it, and I think everyone's grateful that they've got such an amazing spokesperson like you for for their community, and also just the kind of service that you're providing. You're raising awareness about this, and you're so educational and so needed at a time when there is just so little representation and education around this issue. But kind of going back to people, yeah, people not understanding and writing comments and trolling and all of this sort of stuff and just seeing, I suppose, like, yeah, the image of you maybe modeling in lingerie and then seeing that you are an asexuality activist. And I can see how a lot of straight, cis, angry men on the internet could find that conflicting in the way that would make them angry in a way that I think you've, I've seen that you've experienced some of this, this anger, or you've been on the receiving end of this. I've seen you post some of the, some of the threads that people have said to you on, on Twitter about that. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like I mainly just post it because it's so, it's funny how I'll like, I'll have one person be like, no one cares about asexuality. No one bothers you. Like you don't get hate for that. And then the next comment will be like, die, you whore. And I'm like, well, what is the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Or I'll have one comment being like, oh, what a virgin loser. And then others will be like, gosh, she's such a slut. And I'm like, am I a virgin or a slut? Does no one bother me or does everybody bother me? Like, which one is it? So I feel like it's just good to show these things because a lot of people do things that like oh asexuality like that's such a simple thing like no one cares like no one would be angry about that like they don't need to have activism around that and it's like actually like it doesn't take much digging to see but sometimes these things happen within the community and people on the outside don't see it so i think it's helpful to kind of show it but i'm i'm pretty thick-skinned so i find it kind of amusing mm. that like a, a picture of me in a bra has the power to like ruin someone's day <laughs> i find it quite fun <laughs> that i'm able to like provoke like all of this like wave of emotions and like random irrelevant people who like are complete anonymous strangers so i'm personally not like particularly perturbed by it but I do say I encourage people to use me as a case study because I'm I'm quite good at provoking a range of reactions from people yeah I mean it's really startling at the kind of reactions that you've got and then yeah like a multitude of racist sexist violent comments and which are just obviously because these people are just threatened by you owning your sexuality and then often we see this backlash that always comes with that you know whether it's fat people whether it's you know marginalized people disabled people like anyone owning their sexuality and their body in a way it seems to trigger this response and harassment in like online harassment in particular but yeah like what do you think is frightening them so much i mean i think a lot of it is just like particularly with me it's just old school sexism really i think it's this whole idea of you you need to be sexually available to me and it's so funny because it's like even if i was straight i wouldn't be sexually available to you (laughs) it's like it's like me being asexual is not the barrier here (laughs) in this scenario um but yeah i think like especially just for like the men that get mad it's just like you look sexually attractive and you're telling me that I can't have you right. and that makes me angry. And I think like that's just kind of what it is. And it's this whole idea of like if you're a woman and you look nice or you don't walk around in like a potato sack, then <laughs> you're doing it because you're actively trying to turn me on. So how dare you try and turn me on if you're not going to have sex with me, random internet girl. Right. And it's, I mean, sometimes I get like, I don't know, just like, old suburban white women who I think are just threatened because they just don't like how I look and they just find it intimidating um, in that sense. But yeah, I think it just overwhelmingly just comes from like a sexist place. 
Yeah, and it's that kind of idea that you're modeling in lingerie, so therefore you are available for my consumption, like therefore that you are presenting yourself as a sexual object for my consumption, like as a man on the internet, basically, because that's always been the narrative I suppose like in these settings yeah although I've noticed that like because I've done the same thing where I'm not wearing lingerie and I'll still get it really I mean I had a picture once where I was wearing like a like one of my favorite t-shirts it's like this purple black and purple like black sabbath t-shirt mm-hmm. with like jeans and a jacket and then the comments were well why are you touching your hair that's sexy oh my God. why are you wearing lipstick that's sexy I can almost see your belly button that's sexy why do you have hips? Why are you like? Wh- why are you still like amping up this? And I had even women writing like full blown essays about how like inappropriate it was for me to have makeup on while saying I'm asexual. And it's like, so it actually isn't about my clothes then, no. because I could be wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and it's still too sexy. Because the issue is actually just me being asexual, really, and 100%. it wasn't about the clothes. Because you can apply that same thing to any outfit I'm wearing right and that's the case isn't it with all of these things it it always comes back to the fact that it's never about what you were wearing it's never about that at all like how much makeup you were wearing like you know how short your skirt was if you were an underwear all of these things are completely irrelevant because ultimately it's about power and it's about control and it's about dominance and depression and all of these things and it's got literally nothing to do with what you're wearing and it's the fact that you are unattainable to these men, I suppose, in a way. And that's what's angering them, I suppose. And I guess that's the whole thing with harassment in a way as well, and street harassment and that whole idea of like victim blaming. And it all comes back to the fact everyone's heard those comments before. Like, if you didn't want their sexual attention, then why were you wearing that skirt? If you didn't want to get that comment made at you or if you didn't want someone to make a pass at you, like, why were you wearing makeup? Time and time and time again, it always comes back to that. Yeah, and it's what, that's why I'm always kind of like, are people like, well, just don't be sexual. I'm like, but sexy doesn't mean anything. Like, you can make anything sexy. There are adults who find grown-ups in soiled nappies sexy. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> what, like, what it is. You can, you can sexualize anything. Like, I get catcalled if I'm wearing big sunglasses that cover most of my face and a baggy hoodie. It, I could be in my school uniform. It doesn't matter. So it's like, it isn't really about like what you're wearing or what you're doing really, which is when people like, well, just don't do anything sexy. Like don't try and attract people. It's like, you don't have to do anything, especially as a girl, just exist. Just stand there. You could sexualize a grandmother if you wanted to. (laughs) Like you could sexualize a nun. I'm sure there's probably nun porn out there. Like it doesn't really matter what you're wearing. Totally. And that's like, basically it brings it back to the fact that this is not your problem. It's, It's never the person who's being sexualized problem. It's the person who's sexualizing them yeah and that's why i'm like i just gotta keep wearing like whatever i want to because like this whole idea of okay well then you should just try and like tone it down or dress differently it's like where like what what can i possibly wear or what can i possibly do women can get sexually harassed in literally anything you can get sexually harassed when you've not even hit puberty yet i know that's what a lot of people don't understand is they think that like you know because of the length of your skirt that's going to like attract some kind of level of attention or more attention than if you were wearing like a full tracksuit but that's just not the case at all because you can get harassed wearing literally anything you can get harassed wearing the most baggiest clothes 
clothes, whatever. Like it doesn't it honestly doesn't matter. Like it happens to literally everyone. It happens when you're in your school uniform, you know? Yeah. I just keep wearing whatever I want and people can interpret it however they want. I was like, if if I if I'm like wank bank material for you, whatever, just don't let me know. I don't care really. Whatever happens in your own head, just just let it happen in your head. It just don't need to project it onto me because that's when it's awkward. True. But like whatever's in your head, you do you. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's that just applies to everything, doesn't it? Whatever you're th- thinking, just keep it there. We don't, we don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Keep it in your head. Okay, so this is the part of the show where we read out our submitted story of sexual harassment that was sent in by a member of the Cheer Up Love community to discuss and myth bust. And this story was sent in by Marika. I had just finished a run last summer on Broadway near my apartment. I was in tights and a tank top and was sweaty when a small group of men on the street said, "Oh, hey, beautiful, and made grunting noises as I passed them. They said, your body is sexy, girl. I would hit that. There were a few of them sort of egging each other on, so it felt a little scary, even though we were in broad daylight on a crowded street. My body immediately tensed up, and I felt myself trying to go to a safe place internally to protect myself. But my second thought was that it's not okay, and I can't let them think this. This was an experience that I've had so many times in my life, and always just walked by, wanting to hide, saying nothing. But now, feeling more powerful and strong in my 40s, I stopped and turned directly to them and I sternly said, please do not speak to me that way, it's not okay. They were a little stunned and then they all laughed with each other and shrugged it off, like I was the crazy one. Okay girl, whatever. It was nothing to them. It felt like they thought it was their God-given right to objectify me that way. Men really believe they're doing nothing wrong and women are trained to think it's a compliment. Men cannot imagine what it's like to be a woman in this world. Yeah, I was like cringing as you read that. I was like, I think almost everyone's probably had that kind of thing. And there's been many times where I've been like, ah, I want to like say something, but as you were like, one, that could be potentially dangerous, or two, I'm just trying to get somewhere, so I'm just like trying to ignore it. Honestly, I think at that moment, at that like pinnacle moment where someone says something to you, you have this like split second where you're like, do I respond? It's or, or it's the moment's past. Do I respond? Like, is it too late? And then if you do respond, you like immediately regret it. And if you don't respond, you also immediately regret it. Yeah, it's like it's not it's like a no win. I I feel like this year one of the best things about lockdown is that it almost calmed men down for a little bit. Like I could like walk around in the summer without like having guys like shout at me. But then I remember I think I was going and I was walking down the street and a guy like walked past me and said oh I love the way your titties bounce when you walk and I was oh like oh my god I, I was like well one I would just want to freaking stand still now so thank Ooh. you <laughs> now I'm like walking really weird because now I'm like oh my god was that happening and I wanted to just say something but then it was like a second before he had just walked past and you're yeah. like oh I, <laughs> I want to just like do something and it's like it's so frustrating that is so fucking gross. And sometimes when I experience street harassment or catcalling and things like this, I won't register what the thing that's been said to me for a couple of seconds or I won't hear it or I think I've misheard it because it's always pretty shocking and it always catches you off guard and you're never ready for someone to be like great tits or, you know, some horrible comment like that. Even though it happens all the time, you're never expecting it all the time. And it's always catch it always catches you off guard, I find. Or it takes me like a couple minutes to register sometimes what people say, which then kind of puts you a few seconds behind responding. And then by that point, they're gone. And you're just like, 
for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm just... I know, because it's always like a hit and run kind of thing. So like, it's it never is, like yeah. do it and then they want to read your reaction or they want, or it's that's why people are like, oh, it's just a compliment. It's like, well, if it was a compliment, like you would have stuck around for a reaction. Like, if Truly. you thought that was something I was going to enjoy and I'd be like, hey, can I get your number? Then you would have stuck around. But that's not what it was. It was more like a drive by. Oh you did it and then you fled the scene. ASAP before I could say what the hell for and that's why they're never there when you turn around because they just bolted after saying that oh my god I'm literally have never thought about that before I am so gonna say that now in the future when people are like catcalling is a compliment like these things are a compliment because they're right they're always gone (laughs) they're never there (laughs) to stick around to like ask you how your day was after they told you you had nice tits (laughs) yeah it's like i can tell the difference between when they're trying to actually give a compliment because when they're giving a compliment then i'll be like oh you look nicer oh great outfit oh great body but they'll stay there and they think it's gonna actually spark a conversation even if it isn't even if it's awkward they genuinely think that so they want to wait but if they know that they're actually just trying to make you uncomfortable then they get the hell out of there as soon as possible so that's how you can tell the difference in what they're aiming for Yeah, it's such a thing. I mean, even with the people who do stick around sometimes, I'm like, yeah, okay, actually, I'm not, you know, you don't have to, I'm right here, you can, you can move on. <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes you get, like, the followers, where they'll, like, yeah. or, like, like you're just minding your own business, and they're like, I, like, I feel like you're trying to flirt, but it's, like, it's weird. Yeah. But they'll just be like, hey, and you're like, hi, and they're like, ah, oh, you look good, and, like, okay, like, so where are you going, and you're like, away from you. <laughs> And they're just like walking next to you and you're like, great, now I have to make a detour. You're making my day longer. Oh my God, I fucking (laughs) hate that. The worst is when people like do that on the public transport. They strike up a conversation with you on the bus or on the train and sometimes it's sinister, sometimes it's innocent, sometimes it's towing the line between could be sinister and it could be innocent and I just don't know what it is and I don't want to entertain it for any longer. And then you're talking and you're like, oh my God, do I get off at my stop? Are they going to follow me? Or do I wait for them to get off? And I've, I've had that experience a few times where I'm just like panicking just before my stop because I'm like, do I just bolt? Do I just run? Oh my God. I had like a horror story with that that happened. I think it was like last year. And it was so because I was coming back from the Czech Republic. So I had to take this super long train <laughs> to get back to my town. And I could, and it was like mm. so empty because it was like late and it was a Saturday and I could see a guy watching me and it was like an almost empty carriage and he'd been watching me for like a good like half hour and he just kept moving gradually closer, like shifting Ugh. seats. And I was reading my book and I was thinking, oh God. And then before I know it, he's sitting next to me and he's like, hello. And I'm like, hi. Oh God. And then he's like, starts like, what are you reading? And I'm like, mm. Ken Follett. And he's like, oh, sounds romantic. And I'm like, it's really not. It's like historical fiction. There's a bunch of like the black plagues happening. So it's not romantic at all. And he's like, oh, it sounds lovely. So like, and then he just kept like going. And because I had just came back from doing an asexuality thing, I had like this like booklet on me because he just kept persistently talking to me and trying to get my name and being like, why are you giving me your name? Like, why don't you take off your sunglasses? I want to see your eyes. Like, and I'm like, oh, oh whatever. I just gave him with this leaflet and then I went to get off at my stop because we just got there and he looked at it and it said asexuality on it and then he was like I don't get it do you masturbate and I just kept walking and then he was like do you masturbate do you masturbate and he started screaming it and he was chasing me down like this dark train station like screaming do you masturbate at me and so I had to like bolt and oh my get God. into like the nearest taxi it's like can I just get a freaking train Jesus fucking Christ because you really owe that stranger on the train to tell him about like whether you masturbate or not. Like that's obviously he needs to know that. Everybody on the platform needs to know that. And they was like it escalated so quickly. 
and it was so empty because it was the middle of the night. It's terrifying. <laughs> and it's like, see, this is why sometimes it's like, you, there's no like win scenario. I was like, okay, I'm just going to give him this. He'll know I'm not just turning him down for no reason. And instead it just sparked like this super crazy reaction. And I was like, it's God, I hate it when it happens on public transport because there's no way out really. I was lucky oh that that was my stop. So awful. Literally you thought like the asexuality leaflet would be a deterrent, but nope, that just... Nope, it just <laughs> sparked something crazy. Although that's, that's not the most uncommon reaction. Like that is that just tend to be something people immediately ask. Really? But I wasn't expecting him to start screaming it down an empty dark platform and like following me. God, the absolute audacity of some people. I know. Honestly, I can't. But yeah, that sounds terrifying. And But yeah, also thank you, Marika, for sending in your story. And also just want to say if anyone wants to send in their story of harassment to be read out and discussed on the podcast, please do submit it via the website or DM us on Instagram. Yasmin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been, yeah, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. What are you working on at the moment or looking forward to next? I mean, even though there's, we're just going into a national lockdown for a month, but <laughs> is there anything you are like working on or think something that we can look out for? Ace Week was kind of like my like flurry of just doing like a ridiculous amount of stuff in one week. And now I'm like, whew, I could breathe for a little bit. But there's always things I'm like kind of working on. Um, or you could just kind of like look back at the stuff I just did like last week. Like my BBC Sound series is still up. That's going to be up for ages. You can go on BBC Sound. It's called Me and My Sexuality. And on my socials, I have like links to articles I wrote recently for Team Vogue and Forbes and Cosmo. So those are still up. So yeah, I got I've got things I'm working on like behind the scenes. Um, and you can my socials are all at the Yasmin Benoit. So Y A S M I N B E N O I T. If you want to find it. Well, yeah, we'll get we'll definitely get everyone to listen to the BBC Sounds podcast. Is it is it a podcast? Yeah, yeah it's like a radio show, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely like more like a podcast technically. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll you know cross pr- promote podcast. I'll put the, I'll put the link to your podcast in the in the in the show notes, and I'll definitely put the links to your socials in the show notes as well. And yeah, if there's anything else that you want to shout out to do with the, your work and asexuality and where people can get informed if they want to or if they have any more sort of questions maybe about themselves and their own sexuality. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm always kind of promoting a stuff on my socials as well as just like my modeling and articles and things that I find interesting and all my main social media stuff are verified. So you could tell those ones are actually me. Sometimes fake ones pop up every now and then, but those ones are actually me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd also recommend if you want to learn more about asexuality, you should check out um, asexuality.org. That's a helpful one or aceweek.org. Um, they have some good information. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I'll definitely put those in the show notes. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me despite all of the technical difficulties and everything. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I really, really, really appreciate it. And I think everyone's going to love this episode. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And thank you for all of the like really cool work that you're doing and for amplifying asexuality on your platform. It's especially after Ace Week, it's definitely important to kind of keep these things going and keep talking about stuff when like pride and all the occasions have finished so thank you always always it's a conversation that was much 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 needed and also one which we're going to continue having but yeah thank you so much and have a really great rest of your day you too 
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cheer Up Love podcast. And a special thanks to my guests for coming on and to the members of the Cheer Up Love community for sending in your stories. If you like what you've been listening to, please subscribe and leave a review. It would mean a lot. And also, lastly, an extra special thank you to Alex Grews, who composed the wonderful music that you've been listening to.